Soaring in Health and Wellness is brought to you by Mountaineer Chiropractic, your soft tissue specialist, located at 2108 Camden Avenue, Suite D, Parkersburg, West Virginia. For more information, go online to mountaineerchiro.com. If you'd like to be a sponsor or help support Soaring in Health and Wellness podcast, please go online to eagleswaysministries.org and select patron page in the top menu bar. Hello, and thank you for listening to Soaring in Health and Wellness with Dr. Steve Wells. Dr. Wells is a chiropractic physician with a passion to help individuals reach new levels in health and wellness. He has been involved in the health and wellness field for over 30 years. Dr. Wells received his Bachelor of Science degree from Oral Roberts University in Tulsa, Oklahoma, with an emphasis in health and exercise science. He received his second Bachelor of Science degree in general sciences, along with his Doctor of Chiropractic degree with honors from Palmer College of Chiropractic in Davenport, Iowa. Soaring in Health and Wellness is a tool to help educate individuals reach new levels in health and wellness and a passion to live with a sense of purpose and vitality. Dr. Wells and his guests, ranging from doctors from all areas of healthcare to educators, nurses, personal trainers, counselors, and pastors, will discuss and inform you on how to improve all dimensions of wellness from a biblical worldview perspective with one goal in mind, seeing you soar towards optimal health and wellness. If you're ready, let's get started with today's program with your host, Dr. Steve Wells. Welcome to another edition of Soaring Health and Wellness. Today's guest is Michael Moore and Dr. Stephen Givens. And I'm going to go ahead and introduce them and let them tell about themselves. Today's topic is managing stress. So, Michael? Uh, yes, my name is Michael Moore, and uh, I'm the co-CEO and a counselor at Counseling and Wellness Centers in Parkersburg. We also have uh, one an operation in Belfry, Ohio, and one in Taze Valley, West Virginia. Okay, Stephen. Oh, I'm Dr. Stephen Givens, and I'm the other co-CEO of the Counseling Wellness Center. And as Mike said, we have three locations readily available for anyone. T- <laughs> oh, wow. I tell you, if you are all in our office today uh, looking at we we got face mask on, we're six foot social distancing, and so we're bringing the podcast to you. Actually, uh, Mike, if you could scoot over a little bit more. <laughs> I feel, oh, thank you. The room's only, what, 10 by 12? <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, I thought it'd be a great uh, time to actually talk about the subject as far as managing stress. Uh, before I get started, uh, my sources come from Connect Core Concepts and Help by Paul Ensel, Walter Roth, Claire Ensel, Health to Basics by Rebecca Donatelli, Total Fitness Wellness by Scott Powers, Stephen Dodd, and Erica Jackson. If you know, if you've been listening to our podcast in the past, we've been dealing with the areas of stress. Our last guests were Caleb and Dominique. And we were talking about pretty much the transition of going into the college situation. If for some reason you all hear breathing, sighing, it's because we got mask on and it's really <laughs> difficult to take a deep breath without bringing in your in your um, in your mask. But I wanted to start as far as uh, I want to follow up on our last podcast. And uh, college is a time when you will learn to adapt to new and challenging situations and gain knowledge and skills that will last a lifetime. There's also a time when many people will develop counterproductive and unhealthy habits in response to stress. We know that college students strive under a certain amount of stress, but too much stress can leave them overwhelmed. Studies have indicated that first-year students report not only more problems with stress, but also more emotional reactivity in the form of anger, hostility, frustration, and a greater sense of being out of control. And this is from Pirate, the American Freshman National Norms Falls 2009. He continues to note that sophomores and juniors reported fewer problems with these issues, and seniors reported the fewest problems. In continuation, this may indicate students' progressive emotional growth, 
to experience maturity, increased awareness of supportive services, and more social connections. Students generally report using health-enhancing methods to combat stress, but research has found that students sometimes resort to health-compromising activities to escape the stress and anxiety of college. Again, this is from Pritchard and Wilson. Do coping styles change during the first semester of college? Journal of Social Psychology. Numerous researchers have found stress among college students to be correlated to unhealthy behaviors such as substance abuse, lack of physical activity, poor psychological and physical health, and lack of social problem solving, and infrequent use of social support networks. By Bovier, Chamot, and Pernedger, perceived stress, internal resources, and social support, determinants of mental health among young adults. Donatelli explains that being on your own in college may pose challenges, but it also lets you take control of and responsibility for your life. Although we can't eliminate all life stressors, we can train ourselves to recognize the, the events that cause stress and to anticipate our reactions to them. Coping is the act of managing events or conditions to lessen physical or psychological effects of excess stress. Donatelli notes one of the most effective ways to combat stressors is to build coping strategies and skills known as collective as stress management techniques. So, Mike, did you want to comment on anything as far as what we talked about earlier, as far as developing those strategies in college, whether it be good or bad? Absolutely. Um, One of the things about college is that I think it's so difficult for people is because there is a social norming that happens in a lot of college campuses. Uh, there's a cultural expectation that the way that we're going to cope with the stress of college is by drinking or drug use. Um, and, and I think a lot of students that may not have that as a part of their coping strategy when they go to college are at an increased risk of falling into that simply because they might have roommates or friends that are employing those coping strategies. So, um, it is a time that not only is it the time of life, but it's the cultural and social expectations that are on many campuses. Mm-hmm. Steve? I like what Mike's saying. This is also another point of time for people that um, they're moving from being dependent to completely independent for themselves. This is the time where the bird actually leaves the nest and has to figure out the world for themselves, which automatically creates a lot of stress uh, in trying to figure those things out. And this is a part in their development where they're really trying to figure out what their puzzle piece is and where it fits in. Mm -hmm. All right. Before we get started on the healthy coping strategies, uh, I want to go a little bit as far as the counterproductive uh, coping strategies, and those are basically as far as, first one, we look at as far as tobacco use. Uh, cigarettes and other tobacco products contain nicotine, which is a chemical that enhances the actions of neurotransmitters. The effects of nicotine can help you feel relaxed as well as increasing your ability to concentrate, but is highly addictive. Insul Roth and Insul note that nicotine dependence itself is considered a psychological order. As we have mentioned in our earlier podcast with our guest, we know that cigarette smoke also contains substances that can cause heart disease, stroke, lung cancer, and emphysema. They continue to explain that these negative consequences far outweigh any beneficial effect, and tobacco should be avoided. And the easiest way to avoid the habit is to start is not to start. Um, Michael Stephen, the psychological order as far as nicotine dependence. Do you see that a lot in your practice as far as people trying to deal with stress or other issues in life? Well, certainly, yes. Um, a lot of people, um, it's it's almost become, in a sense, for a lot of people, um, 
normalized, if you will, in comparison. Uh, you know, it's not a, um, a controlled substance, something mm-hmm. like, you know, opiates or heroin or something. Everybody's okay with the fact that I can just go smoke a cigarette with those. Um, and it's, to people, it's a lot of stress relief for them because it's an activity they have created to be able to relieve that stress. But um, the one of the problems that people don't actually recognize is that, um, you know, nicotine is a high stimulant and it actually creates more anxiety. It's very provoking. And long-term use, not only are you having physical symptoms with those, but psychologically you're developing a lot more anxiety building up when where it's going to come out and manifest itself in different areas. Mm-hmm. One of the things that <clears throat> is, is happening right now is that um, among younger people, uh, cigarette smoking is not as as favored. Um, more of them are leaning towards vaping. Mm-hmm. Uh, that seems to be a, the new phenomenon, and it's catching on. and <clears throat> And they don't realize that uh, there's the misnomer that it's a safer alternative because it's not tobacco. Um, but there, I think there's more and more studies that are revealing that vaping has its own health problems that are associated with it, especially. Uh, the highest risk are those who are vaping um, cannabis oils uh, because of the impact that it can have on lungs and the absorption of oxygen. Um, <clears throat> one of the things I think that is very interesting is that a lot of people believe it's the act of smoking or the substances that they're smoking that is making them feel relaxed. But as we're going to see in just a little bit, it is actually, they're getting a huge impact from the uh, process of inhaling large breaths um, because that's what smokers and those who vape do is they inhale and they take a large deep breath. And as we're going to see in maybe just talking about it in, in a few moments, mm-hmm. about the impact that has on relaxation just all by itself. Okay. All right. Uh, another way as far as uh, a counterproductive strategy that they're looking to is the use of alcohol and other drugs. The Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration 2015 noted that 37.7% of college-age Americans binge drink. Enzo Roth and Enzo explained that alcohol is addictive, and many alcoholics find it difficult to relax without having a drink. Having a few drinks might make you feel temporarily at ease, and drinking until you're intoxicated may help you forget your current stressors. However, using alcohol to deal with stress places you at risk for all the short and long-term problems associated with alcohol abuse. It also does nothing to address the causes of stress in your life. Uh, Some of these other drugs that um, they're using as far as stimulants, such as amphetamines, uh, can activate the stress response. Um, They also affect the same areas of the brain that are involved in regulating the stress response. Marijuana causes a brief period of euphoria, decreased short-term memory and intentional abilities. Physiological effects clearly show that marijuana use doesn't cause relaxation. In fact, some of the neurochemicals in marijuana act to enhance the stress response and getting high on a regular basis can elicit panic attacks. To compound this, withdrawal from marijuana may also be associated with an increase in circulating stress hormones, explained Ensel Roth and Ensel. Another one is opioids, and perhaps Steve talked about that, such as morphine and heroin can mimic the effects of our body's natural painkillers and act to reduce anxiety. However, tolerance to opioids develops quickly, and many use become dependent. Then there's tranquilizers, such as Valium and Xanax, which mimic some of the functions of your body's parasympathetic nervous system, such as with opioids. Tolerance develops quickly, causing increased dependency and toxicity. 
So, Steve, can you talk a little bit about the opioid? And we had mentioned that a little bit before in our, I think the uh, last one we did with you all was walking through the valley. Sure. Mm -hmm. I think that definitely with the um, opioid pandemic as well that's uh, going on, um, opioids, eh, the hard thing about opioids is that there's an instant gratification. When you take that, it automatically tricks the brain to be able to get that euphoria feeling. And that's that's the incentive or that's the thing that really um, captures uh, people with those. But it it, um, it quickly becomes, um, diverts people to these unhealthy ways of being able to um, deal with stress. And the problem is with any of these substances, whether it's stimulants or marijuana or any of those, one of the problems that people have is that they go and use it, and now I've got two problems. I had the problem I had before, mm-hmm. and now I've got a dependency problem on these things, too. So mm-hmm. it doesn't take away anything. It just um, can help detour them a little bit more and add to their stressors mm-hmm. in the long run. Right. Good. All right. Uh, and another way, um, as far as can be a counterproductive coping strategy, is unhealthy eating habits. We all know that the nutrients that we obtain in the food we eat provide energy and substances needed to maintain our body. Enzo Roth and Enzo explained that eating is also psychologically rewarding. The feelings of satiation and sedation that follow eating produces a relaxed state. However, regular use of eating as a means of coping with stress may lead to unhealthy eating habits. They continue to note a survey by the American Psychological Association revealed that about 25% of Americans use foods as a means of coping with stress or anxiety. These comfort eaters are twice as likely to be obese as average Americans. Enzo Roth and Enzo note that many dietary supplements are marketed for stress reduction, but supplements are not required to meet the same standards as medications in terms of safety, effectiveness, and manufacturing. Again, another uh, counterproductive strategy is eating unhealthy. And if you look at West Virginia, we lead the nation as far as obesity. Mm-hmm. So uh, do you deal a lot in your practice with people who are obese, that are comfort eaters? Yeah, a lot of people actually don't even know it, but um, you hear about Alcohols Anonymous. There's actually an Overeaters Anonymous for people uh, that actually help out support groups uh, in this uh, area. The thing that it comes to uh, with people... Uh, in eating is that we either are overeaters or undereaters, mm-hmm. you know, uh, when it comes to stress and how we take on. One of the reasons of why for people who tend to overeat is that uh, when you take a bite of that burger, you bite into what are called bromides. And those bromides, they send um, to the pleasure part of your brain to where you get that ah feeling with it. But it, it's like a flicker of a flame. It doesn't stay, and it's very, very quick. And what happens is when it gets that pleasure, it's not enough. So I feel like i got to take another bite to get mm-hmm. that, that same pleasure. And so what happens is, is my stomach works faster than my brain because I'm trying to fill myself up and get those pleasures, but my stomach's saying, whoo, uh, too much here. I can't do enough <laughs> here with that. And because uh, my, my stomach goes uh, quicker with those, I get myself into uh, we like to call the um, – uh, carb coma that uh, it really um, just uh, takes us out and we're not able to um, and that overeating obviously causes overweight and we gain to the obesity with those and then you have the other side where this underweight that my our our stomach has a lot of nerves in it to where we um, 
are very sensitive to things around them. People who are extra sensitive in that, they don't want to eat anything because if this tries to sit on their stomach, it's just going to come right back out in any way that they can. And that's where a lot of these eating disorders can come into it. And that's one of the most um, fatal disorders in the mental health uh, facility. I think it was, you might correct me, Mike, if it is, I think it's up to 25% fatality mm-hmm. on yeah. that. Yeah, it's very it's very high mortality rate for those diagnosed with an eating disorder. Mm. Yeah. And wow. so we see the range on both sides of the you know fence here from eating disorders to that obesity. Wow. All righty. Are there any other counterproductive strategies that you know of that I haven't mentioned? Uh, th- those definitely are, are the are the biggest. Um, um, one of the ones that I think that um, people don't think of very often is that just trying to um, fill this um, this void that they have in their life with something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, this is where it's important that I think that people realize is that too much of anything, even a good thing, is too much. So sometimes people are missing something in their life. They're feeling stressed out. And so they've been told, hey, you need to exercise. And exercise is a great thing. But what we find is, is that some people will obsess over things and they will exercise to extremes and they will take it too far. And they're doing it um, not necessarily to be healthy, but because they're, in a, they're trying to, to escape from um, this stress that they feel. And they do not have a good coping mechanism um, uh, toolbox. So they're over-dependent on any one strategy, and that becomes an obsession. Mm-hmm. And just to piggyback on that, I think uh, Mike's saying, I've always found mm-hmm. too much or too little of anything mm-hmm. is not a good thing. You right. know, Really, what we really try to help people with is trying to be able to find balance. Yes, Boy, that's a big thing. If we can be able to balance ourselves, then we've got um, ourselves regulated where we need mm-hmm. to be. Because right. just as he's talking about trying to overdo it, then people go to the opposite. I don't want to exercise. I'm, I'm sleeping on my couch too long, mm-hmm. not, you know, mm-hmm. not doing anything. And I get myself um, into results on both sides of this fence that are unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Well, I tell you, um, those are the counterproductive. I want to go ahead and discuss about some of the productive coping strategies or stress management techniques. As we mentioned earlier in the program, we're going through a time as a world, uh, going through a pandemic. And um, and we had talked earlier before we started the podcast as far as some of the things as far as that people are actually the first week, first couple of days, staying home, you know, that's fine. But now we're into our fourth week, I believe, mm-hmm. here uh, in West Virginia anyway, and probably around the country right. uh, as far as stay home, you know. And um, so there's a lot of people as far as going through financial stress, mental stress, you know, kids are going off the walls as far mm-hmm. as, uh, you know, wanting to get out, visit their friends, uh, this uh, the weather is breaking. It's becoming very nice weather type deal to get out. So I think it's just a great idea as far as to kind of go some of these productive strategies to help people in that situation, not only through college, but also to what we're going through right now. Uh, Ensel Roth and Ensel explained that you and I can control the stress in our life by taking the following steps. One is to shore up our support system. Two is to improve our communication skills. Three is to develop healthy exercise and eating habits. Four is learn to identify and moderate individual stressors. Five is learn mindful skills. And six is getting adequate sleep. They note that the effort required for stress management is well worth the time. 
People who manage stress effectively not only are healthier, but also have more time to enjoy life and accomplish goals. So we're going to start with social support. And this is where you said as far as connectivity is pretty important as far as the social support. Yes, absolutely. I'm going to um, to maybe um, set this up here with this. And I, I want to ask everybody if, if everybody's ever had jet lag, if you ever traveled or have gone anywhere, you may be gone across some time zones. I remember it well. My wife and I, here we go on our honeymoon over there to Paris, France. Never in the, my life have I ever been out of this country. And here I am going Paris, France, you know, ooh la la on it here with this. And I was so excited because... Um, Little did I know at this point, I guess, that uh, Paris, France, is there's a six-hour time difference. Well, when you get on a plane to go fly over to Paris, you leave at 8 o'clock at night. And we left, and we got over there, and we, we get there at 2 o'clock in the morning. Well, if you go forward six hours more, it's 8 o'clock mm-hmm. in the morning there at Paris with those. And what they always tell you that if you're going to travel, uh, one of the tips they give you is that you should go to bed the same time that you normally do at the same time over there. Well, there was no way that I was going to make it until about nine at night for me with those eight o'clock in the morning. It's two o'clock my time. I'm just exhausted with those mm-hmm. and I conk out. And I wish, Steve, I wish I didn't because I had the hardest times for the next few days. I was eating two o'clock in the morning. I was sleeping three in the afternoon. It was hard for me to have to learn to keep my eyes open and get myself in that pattern where it really needed to be. And about the time that I got myself regular, and here I am jumping across the big pond coming on back here to do it all over again with those. When we're in jet lag, our equilibriums are all over the place and we are not regulated. And that's what's happening when we get ourselves, you know, in this COVID-19, what's going on here is that we're isolated. And the, the worst form of human torture that any of us can go through is isolation. That's really hard. And people are now that they've have been uh, you know forced to be able to stay in their homes and being able to get you know the cabin fever and getting stir crazy with those. Now they're trying to figure out you know now the weather's getting nice and uh, you know uh, thing. There's just usually the time that we go and do things. Their equilibriums are all over the place and they're wondering what in the world can I do now? And so oftentimes I'll, I'll tell clients is you got to get yourself back in the routine. And there's four main things when it comes to that routine. One is um, eating, two is sleeping, three is exercise, and four right here, which was is one of the most important ones, is <coughs> connection. We need connections, literally in our DNA, that we need connections with human beings. They actually found, they did a social experiment that they actually found that um, connection, happiness comes from the connection that we get with others. This is better than any um, fortune that you could ever get, better than any fame that you can get. And it helps to prevent anything like depression or anxiety is when we regulate ourselves by connecting with other human beings. So it's really, really that important with those. But the problem is, is that now we've been forced to be able to stay at home. How in the world do I connect? Well, I'll tell you, right now, um, people have become more creative. Technology is is a really great thing. It's been a wonderful thing for people because now uh, we can utilize that to help ourselves make connections with others. I know for us at the Counseling Center, we've had to open up our kind of different modalities to make sure that people are getting uh, the ability to connect with, with a counselor, especially during this time. It's it's one of the primary things that you really can to help direct you where, where to go with those. 
we are still offering, you know, face-to-face contact if people are not having shown any symptoms and, you know, being able to take those precautionaries. The other way that we're doing is telephone sessions to be able to connect with them. And we're also doing video conferences for people. So whenever they're calling in and they're connecting with us, we're being able to help them on one, giving them connection that they need here because mm-hmm. the therapeutic connection is one of the closest connections that one human can have with another. And two, we're also helping them to figure out ways to be able to have connections with other people, whether that's, you know, doing FaceTime or mm-hmm. Skyping with somebody, mm-hmm. whether that's, um, you know, getting on the Facebook and I am and somebody here with those um, people have really come up. I had one person, uh, some people, they would actually um, do board games over their phones and stuff there and actually um, have one person kind of be the host and moving things oh, for everybody. Well. And and it's really, really a neat thing that people are coming up. People are um, um, I know on our street we've been doing some walks. People have come up with scavenger hunts where they've actually put teddy bears in their cars and on their windows that they can actually take their kids around and look for teddy bears mm-hmm. all over the place wow. there. So it really is. It's really a neat thing that we, we come up with these ideas that there are things. And if you go on there now, I'm sure that people on Snapchat, Twitter, all those things. I mean, people are just constantly putting things out for activities for people mm-hmm. to do. And it's just a matter of just plugging in and getting connected with those mm-hmm. things, too. And one of the things about uh, connection is is that it happens in two ways, is that you're connecting with a person through communication and interaction. But there's also another connection that is so important to us, and that is the connection that we make when we feel that we're doing something that benefits another human being. Um, and you don't even have to see that human being or talk to them to feel a connection to them. And this is a time when acts of service are not only needed in the world around us, but we need to be doing them. Because when we are sending out a card to someone, or we just take an encouraging note and and drop it in your uh, the paper box of your neighbor, or uh, or go out and use sidewalk chalk and put an encouraging message on the sidewalk so that when people come by and see it. You feel connected to the world around you in a way that it literally releases dopamine into the brain and you feel better. Um, uh, and I think that's, um, you know, the what Jesus said is recorded in the scriptures that it is more blessed to give than to receive um, it is based on on simple biology. It, it truly is the way that we're made. Mm-hmm. I tell you, as far as to add to your all's uh, conversation there. Um, as far as when it comes to having support for uh, friends and family, um, it contributes to the well-being of body, mind, and I would include spirit as well. Uh, I kind of looked on Facebook, and I saw where a church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, got permission from the governor, uh, the city officials, you know, and so forth, to actually have a drive-in church. Right. And this was right across from Moore Roberts University, where I graduated, but it's Victory Church. And uh, anyway, there's a 1,000 cars parked they were in their cars in the drive parking lot so forth um the minister was actually up on a hoist you know where he was actually preaching and the praise and worship team was actually on the building 
the roof of the building, the mm. maintenance things like that as far as... In their cars? <coughs> well... Oh, God. I thought we were going to get away with that, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah, listen, course. if you got to take your mask off to breathe and get some oxygen, that brain goes <laughs> yeah, right yeah. in. Until <laughs> <laughs> it's but deprivation. The, but, but I thought that was, a, I thought it was pretty neat. But as far as research has shown in support um, the value of affiliation and connectedness, a study of college students living in overcrowded apartments revealed that those with a strong social support system were less distressed by their cramped quarters than were the loners who navigated life's challenges on their own. They also found that young adults who have strong relationships with their parents tend to cope with stress better than peers with poor parental uh, relationships. And many studies show that married people live longer than single people and have lower death rates from practically all causes. Uh, as we mentioned before, that family and friends can be a steady base of support when the pressures of life seem overwhelming. Donatelli notes that people who are positive help us to see the realities of our situation and other constructive suggestions can help us get through the, even the toughest times as we face today. Avoid those who are cast. Catastrophizers, catastrophizers, catastrophizers. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. Or who continually drain you with their own issues or negative outlooks on life. She notes if supportive family and friends are unavailable, look to your pastor, teachers, or counselors. She explains that we need to invest in our loved ones. As our lives get busy and obligations become overwhelming, we often don't make time for the people who are most important to us: our friends, family, and other loved ones. In order to have a healthy social support network, we have to invest time and energy. Cultivate and nurture the relationships that matter, those built on trust, mutual acceptance, and understanding, honesty, and genuine caring. Jacqueline's treating others empathetically provides that with a measure of emotional security and reduces their anxiety. And if you want others to be there for you to help you cope with life stressors, you need to be there for them. So that pretty much ties that up. Absolutely. Anybody want to add anything? As my glasses fog up, <laughs> next one is volunteering, and um, I've seen my my kids actually volunteer for the American Red Cross as far as helping, uh, basically hand out food, take mm-hmm. food to in the elderly, and so forth. So, um, Steve, I'm going to have you go ahead and start with that one as far as the the uh, importance of volunteering. So um, volunteering is a um, it's one of those things about giving back. Uh, people love like Mike's talking about whenever we're doing those acts of service and giving back uh, to the community. It's a way of being able to connect with people. Uh, it makes us um, it, it's a form of altruism that we don't expect things back, but just um, solely uh, being able to uh, give can make us feel um like we are just helping humanity mm-hmm. and being able to um, and make it. So, you know, a lot of times, especially right now specifically, you know, we, we have to be very careful about uh, how to connect and who to connect with uh, with those because um, we want to um, make sure that it is helpful and that it is on target um, with people. And we also want to be able to watch during these times. You know, I, I actually just got a um, – I got a, a text. They had done a warning in the bigger cities with those is that they actually had people going around uh, with masks door to door saying that this was a, you know, um, 
from the government and people were um, putting these masks on and they had chemicals to knock them out and they were stealing from them. Oh my gosh. Too. So we have to be very careful about making sure that we're selecting people who are certified that, you know, you get right. the background. Don't, don't uh, just um, knee jerk, go uh, mm-hmm. and try to help. And just because we don't want to put ourselves in a place of desperation to do something. Mm-hmm. And that's really an easy place for people to be right now. They want something really bad. They're getting stir crazy with those. And, and that's why you know places like you know counseling centers that we're, we're developing mm-hmm. is you're getting with professionals to help direct you to people who are going to be able to mm-hmm. get you to the places where you can get be good help and be safe. Wow, and that's good. really important. Right. Absolutely, that's a, and whenever you're wanting to volunteer, um, rather than just going out and trying to maybe uh, do something on your own, because people are going to be on guard and skeptical, find those places that are already established, um, that are well known, such as the Red Cross and and food banks and and things that are already set up and um, and and work through them. Uh, that's the I think it's the safest way. They already have a protocol. The needs are already the people know where to go and get those needs met. So uh, that's a good place to start. And a lot of times with um, like community mental health centers, with those like case managers or counselors, they're already connected with these places. And they already have people like contact names directly of saying, yep, you need to talk to Sharon or mm-hmm. you need to talk to Greg about uh, this. And let me give you their phone or so. That's why when you're directed there, you got a more safer route to go. And Mike's right on it. These bigger agencies that you have, and especially in your local community, I would uh, definitely recommend our listeners to get a hold of their community mental health because they have the best resources on how to plug you in there. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, another um, way to help as far as stress is communication. And I don't have very much information on this, so whatever you all can do to help uh, if you know uh, some things as far as communication, but again, Ensel Roth and Ensel note that communication is an assertive way that respects the rights of others while protecting your own rights, can prevent stressful situations from getting out of control. Better communication skills can help everyone form and maintain healthy relationships. Well, I think especially right now, um, <clears throat> communication uh, is challenging. And as Stephen was mentioned earlier, um, Getting with the people that you normally talk to, maybe coworkers or um, friends and family members that you're not able to go and visit, and and get them connected with some of the media um, outlets that offer things like Zoom and some of those others that are out there, and just say, hey, you know, this is the format we're going to use to get together. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that rather than sitting around and and wishing that we would uh, be able to see them and talk to them, I would encourage people to just be proactive. Be the be the person who makes that initial call and says, "Hey guys, let's let's all get together on Zoom. Uh, let's download that app and 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 meet up." And here's another thing about communication that's really going to be uh, really important. It is easy for us, and it's naturally for us as humans, that we always tend to focus on the negative. And so what we try to do is, in a crisis like this, everybody wants to talk about what's going on and, boy, all the bad in the world with those. Try. I really want to encourage our listeners to be that beacon to help people to uh, mm-hmm. see more positive things that are going on in the world. You know, the the scavenger hunts for the teddy bears, or you mm-hmm. know, the board games and stuff. Whenever we give ideas and to solutions with those, we are um, bringing a serenity and we bring that calmness that is needed during this time. Mm-hmm. 
One of the biggest problems with communication is that we tend to listen to respond and not listen to understand. Hmm. And it's really important for us in this time when someone's, you know, freaking out or they're just upset about what's going on with those. We want to be able to help to understand what they're feeling with those. Bring that in. And then we want to help to bring that silver lining and helping them to be able to say, well, yeah, that might be true. But let me show you. You can always finish your sentence with but at least if you can do that, it always helps finish that sentence. It helps to bring that water line back up to par if you can. doesn't always fix the situation, mm-hmm. but it can really help. Wow. All righty. I tell you, as far as uh, we're going to go over one more um, uh, before we take a break, as far as looking at exercise or taking basically physical action. Um, as far as exercise helps maintain a healthy body and mind and even stimulates the birth of new brain cells, regular physical activity can also reduce many of the negative effects of stress. The human stress response is intended to end in physical activity. And yet in today's world, we usually aren't able to flight or flee. However, exercise can burn off stress hormones by directing them toward their intended metabolic function. And this is by uh, Giordano, Dusek, and Everly, Controlling Stress and Tension, the 8th edition. Exercise can also help combat stress by raising levels of endorphins, mood-elevating, pain-killing hormones in the bloodstream, increasing as far as the energy-reducing hostility and improving mental alertness. The American Psychological Association 2014 found that 53% of adults say they feel good about themselves after exercising, 35% say it puts them in good mood, and 30% say they feel less stress, and they suggest to consider the following examples. Take a long walk and decrease anxiety and blood pressure. A brisk 10-minute walk can leave you feeling more relaxed and energetic for up to two hours. People who exercise regularly react with milder physical stress response before, during, and after exposure to stressors. And in one study, people who took three brisk 45-minute walks each week for three months reported fewer daily hassles and an increased sense of wellness. So with exercise, the... um when you have a lot of pent up energy, you need to get it out. And that's really important to be able to do, um, especially in these times uh, that we have a lot of energy that needs to just release. It, you know, we talked about balance too much or too little of anything there is not a good thing. So finding balance. The other, uh, another word that's really important for us as humans is release. We need release. And uh, exercise is a really great way of being able to get that. Um, and, you know, um, for a lot of people, you know, the gym, I'm definitely I'm going to advocate for that. Go to a gym, being able to connect right now. You know, gyms are not available. But, you know, um, like my personal trainer, Phyllis Brown, I'll, I'll, I'll do a shout out. <laughs> you know, she's awesome with those there. Uh, you know, um, Fitness with Phyllis, she does a fantastic job. Right now, I know what she's doing is she's on the Facebook and she's actually doing group sessions on the, like a Zoom or a mm-hmm. Facebook thing. She'll do live streams where people can actually go and you can work out right in your own home being able to do that so you know and i know a lot of other personal trainers and other gyms are probably doing Mm -hmm. the exact same thing so there's a lot of opportunities that you can be able to do in the comfort of your own home and you know you don't even have to be able to leave and stay safe there as well right so exercise is definitely important 
during these times. Uh, there's you can look out on the internet and see that they're how creative people are getting with their workouts because they can't go to the gym. They're using things like uh, soup cans uh, for small for their weights. Uh, yeah, small children. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, climbing stairs, uh, mm-hmm. using everyday household uh, objects in their home as creative ways in which to exercise. And so, not only are you getting the exercise, but you're also uh, exercising your creativity in the process. Right? Mm-hmm. And not only just, and again, you know, these are workouts that we're talking about. And yes, they're important with those. But even if you can't go and do that, like you said, going for a walk, mm-hmm. you know, even, you know, in your neighborhood, as long as you're, you know, practicing good social distancing. I see a lot of people in my neighborhood walking their dogs or, mm-hmm. you know, or their kids and stuff, right? You're riding some bikes just to be able to get out a little bit. You know, we've had some really great weather recently. Mm-hmm. And it's really important for us to be able to get out and walk around. Now, we can't go collect at, you know, playgrounds or things right. like that, but right. we can still go down our street and still, you know, keep that respective distance and be able to get out and move around. All right. Well, I tell you what, we're going to go ahead and take a break. And when we get back, we're going to continue our discussion on uh, managing stress. Soaring in Health and Wellness is brought to you by Mountaineer Chiropractic, your soft tissue specialist, located at 2108 Camden Avenue, Suite D, Parkersburg, West Virginia. For more information, go online to mountaineerchiro.com. If you'd like to be a sponsor or help support Soaring in Health and Wellness podcast, please go online to eagleswaysministries.org and select patron page in the top menu bar. Hey, welcome back to Soaring Health and Wellness. Today's guest is Michael Moore and Dr. Stephen Gibbons. We are talking about managing stress. And um, we're going to pick up where we left off and we're going to start uh, talk a little bit about Stark, talk a little bit about nutrition. Uh, Donatella explains that high potency supplements that are supposed to boost resistance against stress related ailments are nothing more than gimmicks. However, it is clear that eating a balanced, healthy diet will help provide the stamina you need to get through problems and will stress-proof you in ways that are not fully understood. It is also known that under-eating, overeating, and eating the wrong kinds of foods can create distress in the body. Insel Roth and Insel explain for managing stress, limit or avoid caffeine. Although one or two cups of coffee a day probably won't hurt you, caffeine is a mildly addictive stimulant that leaves some people jittery, irritable, and unable to sleep. And consuming caffeine during stressful situations can raise blood pressure and increase levels of cortisol. Steve, Mike, you want to touch on that a little bit or so when it comes to eating and nutrition it, i'd always think about um i guess with with uh what donatelli is talking here about is um if i took my my car and i go fill it up with gas you know i i know that by filling up with gas it's going to get me down the road mm-hmm. to a certain uh, amount of miles with those and i can have different choices on what i fill up my my uh, car with you know unleaded um, what do they call those uh, premium premium, premium. yeah yeah those, uh, <laughs> super boost high yes. octane or uh, rocket fuel I don't know what anyway yeah. you know I can I can choose the different levels because there are different types of food that's going to be better for me you mm-hmm. know I can have those and there are things there that's probably not the best but it, it it's going to get me where I need to go but I wouldn't go and try to put diesel fuel into my my car because it only takes unleaded that's only can and if I'm putting something in there that's not supposed to be I'm not going to get far. And so, you know, this is natural fuel for us that actually helps us to get from one place to the other. If we're not eating right and we're not getting enough, if I only put a little bit in my tank, I'm only going to get so far down the road. 
Yeah. Dude, he's got great some analogies, doesn't he? Oh, he, he does. He, he's, <laughs> he really yeah, does. He, just blows he, me away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, the nutrition, whenever you're considering about what you're going to eat, um, <clears throat> one of the biggest problems is mindless eating. And that's mm-hmm. where we just go. And the only question we ask ourselves is, oh, what's going to taste good? Uh, and if that's the only question you ask yourself, then you're probably going. Your body is going to guide you to those high fat, sugary sweet, um, those things that um, lots of carbs. But if you stop long enough, instead of just asking yourself, you know, what's going to taste good, if just taking a moment to pause and saying, okay, so what is it that I really need? What does my body need? Mm-hmm. Uh, that is the better question rather than what do I want. Uh, and, and I think that just asking yourself that question helps with that accountability. All right. That's good. Um, the next phase we're going to go is managing your time. And as we talked earlier before we get started again, my biggest issue is I like to I procrastinate. I've always has and uh, just drives my wife nuts. But we all procrastinate or voluntarily delay during doing some tasks despite expecting to be worse off for the delay. These delays can result in academic difficulties, financial problems, relationship problems, and a multitude of stress-related ailments. I've a sorry, the relationship between study anxiety and academic performance among engineering students from the Social and Behavior Sciences 2010. How can we avoid the procrastination bug? According to psychologist Peter Goldwitzer and colleagues, a key is setting clear implementation intentions, a series of goals to be accomplished toward a specific end. And before we move on, you are you all familiar with the implementation intentions mm-hmm. by the psychologist? Mike, can you go ahead and explain a little bit about that? Um, well, as far as um, you know, I don't I don't know if it's the same because I haven't read this particular work, but I know that implementation of intentions um, many times refers to this idea of looking at a um, looking at a, a project or a goal that you're wanting to achieve, and then looking at what all it's going to take. To, to pull that off, breaking that into smaller pieces, and then putting that onto a time schedule and being able to say, I'm going to do this much of it by this time. Mm-hmm. So you set basically many goals. Imagine yourself crossing a stream and you're going to set uh, rocks across that stream in which you will jump from rock to rock. And eventually you're going to cross the whole stream, but you've got to have your rocks in the right place in order to do it. If you set one too far away, you're not going to be able to reach it. Uh, if you set them too close, uh, then you're just carrying a bunch of rocks. <laughs> so, so the idea of making manageable goals. Well, good. Um, some of the strategies for improving our time management skills. Um, and we'll go through. There's quite a few, but I'd like to go through these because I think they're very important. Number one is set priorities. And they talk, they talk about divide your task into three groups, essential, important, and trivial. Focus on the first two and ignore the, ignore the third. Uh, schedule tasks for peak efficiency. You probably notice you're most productive at certain times of the day or night. Schedule as many of our tasks for those hours as you can and stick to your schedule. Set realistic goals and write them down. Attainable goals spur you on. Impossible goals, by definition, cause frustration and failure. Fully commit yourself to achieving your goals by putting them in writing. Steve, you'll go on? Oh, uh, yeah, sure thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you want me to go along with this list here? You, well, you can go on that, along that list or however you want to go. 
So um, I think we're right on target with, um, you know, when it comes to time management. Uh, yeah, I got an analogy too, Mike. You're not the only one here <laughs> with analogies. I love the rocks and stuff yeah. there. One of the ones I always like to talk about is, is Mount Everest. You know, Mount Everest is five and a half miles uh, long, uh, high. And if anybody was to look at Mount Everest, automatically they're going to get overwhelmed. Nobody climbs Mount Everest in a day. It just doesn't mm-hmm. happen with those. And anybody, any seasoned climber who climbs Mount Everest, they know they have to strategize on how to be able to make it to the summit. And when they do that, they set up literal camps along the way to make sure that they know exactly how to get to the next camp and how to. And even when they're about to go to that summit, there are only certain times that a climber can actually climb up to the summit and get back down because if they stay there too long, it's going to kill them because they have uh, uh, oxygen. The oxygen levels are uh, too low for them to be able to survive up there. They literally have to have oxygen takes to get up there. And so when we're going from camp to camp, it's really, really important for us to be able to map out which camp I'm going to. And you're not focusing on the summit. You're just focusing on what's the next camp that I have to be able to get to. And being able to manage the time with that, being able to make sure that the goals are measurable and that they're obtainable is really, really important for us to get to. One of the biggest problems with procrastination and time management that we run into is motivation. Um, I know what I need to do. Um, I know that it needs to be done, but I, I'm just having trouble motivating myself to do it. So what you can do is you can build motivators in for yourself. Think of things that you enjoy. Think of things that you like to do, that you look forward to, and, um, and say, okay, I'm going to do is just put that on the other side of this next task. Mm-hmm. So, and and don't, don't let yourself off the hook. Don't don't allow yourself to go watch that television program or that Netflix uh, series until you've achieved that particular task. And what you'll find is it's easier to do that task because you're looking forward to something. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, one of the easiest things to do is to say, oh, well, I'll just do that later and go ahead and do that preferred activity first. So always build those breaks and those enjoyable activities at the end uh, of, a, of a task. Okay, so here's my activity. Here it is. <laughs> yes. So Mike and I have this thing that anytime we have an idea that comes up, because it's, it's, it's fleeting. And he interrupts me a lot. <laughs> I do. See, I saw a little do. finger go up. I think, what? I put one finger up because i got to remember it. If it doesn't stay there, it's gone. <laughs> yes. It's gone. Yes. So I had to be able to get it. So here's an activity to go right along with what Mike is saying with this. Mm. Go get yourself a fishbowl, okay? <laughs> get this fishbowl, and on this fishbowl, I want you to mark three lines. You know, one about a quarter, one about halfway up, and I want about three quarters of the way up. And then go get you some um, uh, post-it notes, sticky notes. I love this. Whoever made sticky notes, I want to shake their hand. <laughs> I might even kiss them if it wasn't COVID. I, you know, anyway, I might give them a corona bump is what we call it, the elbow <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway... Um, But what you do is write down three things that you really want to be able to accomplish, okay? And just for, you know, the next hour or whatever the next camp or the next rock that we're talking about here with this. And then you can cross them off. When you get that done, crumble up your paper and throw it in the fishbowl. When you get up to that line, reward yourself with something. Mm -hmm. 
That's the thing that you can really look forward to. When you get up to the next line, here's another one. And then when you get to the final line here that you're up to, make it something really big that you really want to look for. Know what those things are that you're really going uh, up towards. Maybe it's watching on Netflix. Maybe it's getting some, you know, uh, dining out or something here. You know, find those things. And also when you're done and you get that big reward, dump all these things out and start reading all the things that you just accomplished. Mm -hmm. And boy, oh boy, what a um, pool of dopamines you can get get to see the accomplishment because nobody wants to climb Mount Everest if they didn't want to see the site. Nobody wants to get up there if they didn't want to see the view. And you don't want to miss out on that. You want to be able to see, hey, here's the things that I have accomplished here because it motivates me to want to go climb the next mountain. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. All righty. So they basically give some other examples as far as things that can we can abide by budget enough time and for each project you undertake calculate how long it will take you to complete then tack on another 10 to 15 percent or even 25 percent as a buffer uh, again this may be back to uh, what you talked about mike as far as the uh, implementation intentions as far as breaking up long-term goals into short-term ones uh, instead of waiting for large blocks of time use short amounts of time to start a project or keep it moving Visualize the achievement of your goals by mentally rehearsing your performance of a task. You'll be able to reach your goal more smoothly. And I think, uh, Steve, that kind of goes on with Mount Everest. Yeah. Seeing you kind of reach the top. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, keep track of the task you put off. Analyze why you procrastinate. If the task is difficult or unpleasant, look for ways to make it easier or more fun. And, Mike, I think you talked about that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, consider doing your least favorite task first. Again, Mike, you mentioned that. Uh, once you have the most unpleasant ones out of the way, you can work on the task you enjoy more. Oh, can I add to something? You go right ahead. Well, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. This isn't me interrupting me. This is me requesting. Anyway, all right. So, uh, yeah, uh, just going along with that uh, tasks that are just not um, – you know, not the funnest task or the hardest mm-hmm. task with those. You know, even on that little uh, post-it note with those, you don't want to compile all the hardest things that you absolutely, you know, have to do. Um, unless you're just a go-getter, you know, mm-hmm. ambitious person and, you know, you, you want smooth sailing there with those. But a lot of times I'll even uh, recommend is, you know, do one hard test, do two smaller tasks. You know, one big one, two small ones there. And that makes it a little bit easier for us to kind of uh, take on those, those tasks so that you're not doing three big tasks that I'm going to be able to get. And when you're measuring, it's really important for us to use that numeric system. Don't just say, hey, I'm going to clean, I'm going to do a laundry. Well, that that can be a pretty ambiguous thing there. You know, I'm going to get two loads in here. That's a, you know, that's what I want. Now, that's a number that you can measure. That's something that's really important because sometimes people say uh, they have a goal and they'll say those goals. But um, when they leave it open-ended that it's so big, then again, you're just looking at another Mount Everest and mm-hmm. you don't want to get yourself back at that view. Mm-hmm. All right, good. All right. Um, consolidate tasks when possible. For example, try walking to the stores that you run your errands and exercise in the same block of time. Identify quick transitional tasks. Keep at least five to ten minute tasks you can do while waiting or between other tasks. I tell you what, <laughs> this next one is my brother-in-law's favorite. He's got this down pat. Delegate responsibility. I don't think I ever see him do anything. He's always delegating. And I think his son <laughs> has also picked up in his footsteps. You know, yeah. hey, can you do this for me? You get that? I was thinking, okay. So he says delegate responsibility. But I think he also misses the point here. Ask for help when you have too much to do. Just don't delegate the jobs you know you should do yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, say no when necessary. A lot of times, a lot of us have difficulty saying no. All right. 
Um, I'm getting better at it. Uh, give yourself a break. A lot of time for play, free unstructured time when you can ignore the clock. Um, and again, Mike, um, you talked about this earlier. It's funny, Mike. It's not really funny, but it's it's something how you can actually tie five of these into one description. <laughs> and as I'm going through this list here, it's like I said, Mike talked about that. Mike talked. So this is another one you talked about. <laughs> Mike's really good at this. I tell you what, he really—he <laughs> just got these right before he came in. Oh, I tell you, we—he <laughs> so, doesn't beat around the bush. He the, just gets—he gets right to, to it, the man. point. <laughs> Could you imagine him doing a podcast? He'd be like 15 minutes long, man. He'd be done. That's yeah. right. Consolidated. <laughs> a minute with Mike. That's, that's what we right. call it. <laughs> there you go. Oh my. Is the fingers up? Yes. You got something to say? <laughs> no, I just said oh, it. That was it. Yeah. Okay. Real quick. All right. And you mentioned before, avoid your personal time sinks and identify your own time sinks, which are activities that consistently use up more time than you anticipate and put you behind schedule, like watching television, surfing the internet, or talking on the phone. Or particularly busy days, avoid these problematic activities altogether. And the biggest thing is, I believe, is stop thinking or talking about what you are going to do and just do it. So. Yeah, like Nike. <laughs> just do it. Just do it. <laughs> wow, I tell you. But anyway, um, did you all want to add any of that, or is that, is that pretty good? That's good. Yeah, I really like um, – yeah. I'm going to add there just to your idea about the no. You know, no is one of those words that just gets the bad rep. You know, because we always see that no is just this negative thing. But if I was if I stood up here and I and I talked to you nose to nose, how comfortable would you probably feel? I would uh, feel very comfortable. Yeah, right. Got the mask on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even more so, yes. <laughs> Which just proves our point there. But it would it wouldn't be until you kind of backed up or you kind of pushed me away and said, "Hey, buddy, you're too close," or tell me, "No, that's not right," for me to get the idea that that I, I just crossed your personal bubble here, mm-hmm. right? Because no tells me what's appropriate, and it draws those lines really uh, well for us to keep those healthy boundaries because the space that we have between us now feels comfortable. And I would know that if I didn't have no in the way. And no is really, really important. And it gets the bad rep, but it's a really important feature for us because if we don't have no, then we don't know. K-N-O-W. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's, that's How, Do you like that? That's Did you good. like that? Yeah, that was... <laughs> That was really good, I'd say. Do you have, do you have a patent on that? <laughs> it's coming out 10 years. It's just, it's coming. All righty. All right, what we like to do is we like to go ahead and uh, have um, Dr. Evans and Mike give some closing thoughts. But before they give their closing thoughts, I'd like to go ahead and have them give you some information on how you can reach Dr. Stephen Gibbons or Michael Moore. Yes, so you guys, uh, anybody can uh, reach us at our Parkersburg office. At, um, you can give us a call toll-free at 304-422-7300. Again, that's 304-422-7300. Our staff are ready and available to be able to connect with you and uh, get you connected with all the modalities that we're offering at this time. Uh, if you are in Ohio, you can uh, reach us at the Belpre, Ohio office at 740-401-3088 and they can get you set up with an appointment on that side of the river we also have down in our charleston area we have a um our 
office down there is the Taze Valley office, and you can be able to reach us at 304-759-0443. Again, 304-759-0443. And feel free to reach us uh, on the web. You can also go to our website at www.counselingandwellnesscenter, all one word, .com. Again, www.counselingandwellnesscenter.com. Com, and we'll have all kinds of resources and bios that you can really meet our professionals and get connected for both therapeutic and medical services. Okay. Well, I tell you what, that was great. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, Steve, you want to go ahead? Uh, any closing remarks on today's program? You know, I, I know we're talking about stress management, and it's easy. It is easy in this world, especially right now with, uh, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic that's going on and that it is easy for us to get caught up in the stress and to be washed away uh, with these ways. And I'll just encourage everybody uh, that we take the time to really get to see the good in the world. I saw, um, I don't know if, anybody, if, if many people have seen the Office uh, uh, series, uh, the guy who plays Jim, John Krant. Kerstansky, I think his name is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that guy. Anyway, he had a really neat thing that he actually put on. I saw on the Facebook. It was called SGN, Some Good News. And it was really, really cool because he was being able to see uh, he's doing like a little kind of a uh, video cast that he is doing and, and really just reporting good stuff. And it is easy to get um, taken away, I know, with the news and everything that's going on just to see a lot of the stuff that's going to really up our stress and up our anxiety. Find the good of what's happening there, and that will help to bring more serenity, more calmness. And boy, that, I'll tell you, it is, it's contagious. Mm-hmm. If you can really, people want to be around someone, that beacon, who can really shine the way to give clarity and direction of where we need to go. Right. Um, we've talked about several things today, uh, nutrition, time, and, and uh, communication, and socialization. Mm-hmm. And we mentioned it earlier, but I really would like to kind of end up with this concept is that of balance. If you'll take those areas and you visualize visualize those areas in your life and ask yourself each day, if, have I balanced that area of my life? Um, and even if you want to write them down, uh, write those areas down and then look at what have I done today to address that area of my life? Because when your life gets out of balance, you're going to feel out of balance. Uh, Our bodies, um, our psychological well-being, it all is looking for a state called homeostasis. And homeostasis really just means balance. So if you're eating more balanced, if you're spending your time more balanced, if you're uh, talking to people uh, in in a balanced amount of uh, time, those are the things that are going to make you feel more put together, calmer, and a, a greater sense of well being. Alrighty, well I tell you what, I just want to say uh, thanks to uh, Dr. Givens and uh, Michael Moore uh, for uh, taking the time out of their day, their busy day, to um, show some insight on what we can do to help um, manage stress. As you know, there's a lot of information out there how to manage stress, and we kind of basically were able to go through half of it. So on our next podcast, we'll have Michael and uh, Stephen uh, with us again, and we'll be basically talking about cultivating uh, cultivating your spiritual wellness, as well as some cognitive techniques, as well as relaxation techniques for stress management. 
before I close, I, I'd like to ask you all a favor to please leave us a review on Apple iTunes or the Google Play Store. I'd love to hear your feedback on our show so far, and your reviews helps our podcast reach as many listeners as possible. So if you haven't already, head on over to our Facebook page, uh, which is Soaring Health and Wellness. To learn more about our show on the Facebook page, you can send requests or subjects you have us discuss on one of our episodes, connect with our listeners, and even ask Dr. Myself questions directly. All right, until next time, keep advancing. Thank you for listening to Saurian Health and Wellness with Dr. Steve Wells and his guest. We would like to thank our sponsor, Mountaineer Chiropractic. For more information, go online to mountaineerchiro.com. If you'd like to be a sponsor or help support Saurian Health and Wellness podcast, please go to the web at eaglewayministries.org and select the patron page in the top menu bar. If you or your business or church would like Dr. Steve Wells to speak at your church, special event, or conference, please go online to eagleswaysministries.org and select contact on the menu bar. Or send an email to eagleswayministries at gmail.com or call 304-485-6589. Until next time, think of Isaiah chapter 40, verses 29 through 31. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint.